Welcome to Camera Shake Podcast, episode 107, the podcast where we talk about photography, videography, and anything that's got anything to do with any of that, really. So, episode 107, we are still miles apart. We are. It's glorious. <laughs> Absolutely glorious. <laughs> you are still without a nationality, aren't you? Yeah, I am still, still fighting for my passport that's right yeah. yeah how long uh how long before you think it will be done it's a good question it could be any day really you know oh god um it's yeah it's been uh, it's been rather complicated and god. hard wearing you know imagine if you didn't have someone to stay with good god this would be a very expensive um not entering it in your calendar mistake <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's just a, it's a bit of a, bit of a nightmare. But you know, I think we're sort of getting somewhere. I mean, it's deadly. The funny part is, is that um, what it's what's delaying it is that the you know the local authority here it needs to have some kind of you know declaration from the embassy in in London to say that I didn't already apply for a passport there because you know I could have applied for right. it two different passports in two different places and then sold them. Understandable. The yeah. yeah. So it makes sense. But of course, you know, and so they haven't been lucky in getting in touch with anybody there, which is, is the whole reason as to why I'm here in the first Wait, place. So who are they getting in touch with? The UK government or... No, no, the, the, the German, German embassy, embassy in London. The German embassy fantastic. in London. Fantastic. That's I know, so right? fantastic. That's great. <laughs> Their system's not connected in any way. Well, you would have, I mean, you would have thought that they have some diplomatic ways in which they your know, yeah. channels in which they get but no they just have to, have to send emails and send a fax apparently fax and a letter <laughs> who remembers those yeah i, I very remember them they are so i never had a fax machine no uh i think my parents used to have a fax machine back in the day really? you know, in the office wow. yeah but um but uh, yeah so that's really that's what i'm waiting for um so it's super frustrating but hey mm -hmm. Yeah. It'll be over soon, one way or the other. Yeah, I mean, it's you're gonna have to do national service again. Well, you know, I mean, funnily <laughs> enough, um, they gave me an emergency. So, I mean, this this is the thing that I didn't really quite understand. So, we went you know, we had a meeting this morning with the local authority, and they basically said, Well, you know, they've um, they have sent they've made several attempts, um, they haven't heard anything back, and you know, they're gonna try again tomorrow, blah blah blah. And then they mm -hmm. gave us um, an emergency number to call, which I called and eventually I got through to somebody and, um, you know, they eventually said, okay, well, we're going to get in touch with, with the department directly. And then I got called back this afternoon to see whether I've heard anything yet. And I'm like, well, no, I haven't because I haven't. So at least there's some dialogue happening now, you know? Mm. Um, so that's, that's the important part. You know, of course, I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather be at home by now, but, um, yeah, it hasn't. Well, it's difficult, isn't it? Cause you're, it's nice to have a few days away, but uh, not under these circumstances. No, not really. You know, it's, <laughs> you know what it's like. It's, you know, it's, it's difficult because it has an have impact. You, I was going to, I was going to say was, have you got a cutoff date in your head? Like if I don't have it by friday this week i need to go uh, well you can't get home can you i can't but this is this is exactly the point i can't get home without the passport so you could be you, there's a chance you, you could be there for another couple of weeks right uh, uh unlikely it's unlikely yeah it's unlikely i mean i, I literally I, I do think it's probably on days now but not you know not weeks mm. um but it's frustrating because it has an impact on everyone yes yeah, it has an impact on my wife and the kids and everything else. So it's it's well difficult. Um, you know, and I'd rather I'd rather be at home. But yeah, it's nice as nice as it is, you know, being back here and you know the weather being nice mm. and everything else. But you know, I'd much rather be at home for sure. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. So it's yeah. Let's not talk about any more gloom. <laughs> all, all we all know is is that if you switch on next week and uh, and you still see us in the format that we're in. We're not even going to talk about it. 
you'll just know what's going on. <laughs> yeah. Talk about glooms. If you, you know, you probably, you probably won't see this. And of course you, you wouldn't know if you're listening to the audio version of this, but if you are watching um, on YouTube, you'd, you'd, you'd possibly see a slightly green hue um, on my side of the, of the, the zoom window. And that's, that's because, well, that's because of the way I have to light myself here improvisationally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, unless, unless Nick does his magic and kind of corrects all that, of course. Make it more um, green. Yeah. Make it more green. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it looks like I'm in the Matrix rather than yeah. the <laughs> No, it's, it's like. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a it's a tricky one to correct, believe it or not. But um, yeah, I'm still quite impressed with the uh, the what's it called webcam? That's the word I'm looking for. The webcam on the uh, the latest MacBooks, pretty good. Yeah, and if you compare that to my MacBook, of course, which yeah. is like a ten-year-old MacBook, you'll see you'll actually see the difference. Absolutely, <laughs> is, I think this is a seven twenty. Yeah, so this will be this will be ten eighty, but as we know, none of that's made equal. Um, sure, but it's I'm quite impressed. The Zoom, obviously, I'm seeing the direct quality here. What's getting recorded is slightly worse than what it actually is, um, because it just puts it all together and. And does its compression and conversion and all that. The funny thing is, you know, when I look at both of us on the Zoom call, uh, you know, I can see you sitting in the UK. Your your image looks much crisper and much clearer than what I'm seeing of yeah. myself. Rather than the, the potato that you're filming yourself on. I know, yeah. I was like, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Fuzzy. Yeah. You don't need to worry about the skin smoothing thing in Zoom, you know, the built-in skin smoothing, mm. because 720 does it for you. Mm. <laughs> it's already built in. It's true. It's just true. You know, why would you need don't do that. Just get low quality uh, webcam. Talking about cameras, um, actually, there was one thing that I did uh, this week, though, that was actually really fun. uh, Over the weekend, we went to a place called Motor World in Stuttgart. um, And it's right next to the uh, Mercedes factory. Mm -hmm. And it's a a huge, huge area that I believe used to be um, U.S. barracks at some point in the past. And it's, it's like a huge, huge area. And they've, um, it's all dedicated to cars. So mm-hmm. high end cars and like there's, there's the exhibitions, you know, of all sorts of really awesome, awesome cars. I mean, everything from Ferraris to, there was a Maybach there. Um, some classic 1920s Mercedes coupes and stuff like that. It was really, really, really nice. I met this, you know, McLaren have a shop there and, it's it just basically all the all the expensive brands are there: Lamborghini, Bentley, uh, Ferrari, whatever. Yeah, but but they also have this is really cool. They have these glass, like two story glass cages, and you walk past, and it looks like an exhibition, right? So let's say there'd be, for argument's sake, a Lamborghini in there, right? And then there's like a little sign with a photo, and gives you all the data, like the horsepower and the this and that and whatever, yep. right? It's like just like an exhibition sort of thing. But these things are not actually exhibition cages. They are private storage cages that you can hire. And if you don't have anywhere to put your luxury car, or your sports car, or your classic car, or whatever, then you can hire one of those. And um, you drive in, and then basically either they stay on the ground floor or they sort of move them up. Um, and then your car turns into part of the exhibition. But actually, for you, it's a you know, it's a way to to store your car, which I thought was awesome. Nice, <laughs> what, a, what a great idea! And there's some killer, killer cars in there. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable, yeah. So you, um, you need a bit of cash to have a car like that that you can just put somewhere that you you know you're not going to touch. Yeah, and I mean, uh, one or two of them were empty. You know, officers send a sign and they say like, "What's well, on? Uh, you know, on tour at the moment or something like that." Or um, there's one. Um, you know, like a souped up VW camper van that's like been right. mega restored and souped up and whatever. Um, and that's, that's been out obviously, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it really, it's, a, you, you would have loved it. I mean, you would have absolutely mm-hmm. loved that place, oh, bet. you know, bet. and it's all like they have, um, as part of the exhibition, they have some really like classic, um, gas pumps as well. Oh, nice. And, uh, the whole I like thing, all that. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Yeah. You would have absolutely loved it. The whole you... thing is kind of set up like in that kind of, ambience you know yeah. yeah you'd like um so very close to me there's a place called brooklyn's museum and right next next to that that is also um so brooklyn's have um like they've got concord there 
Mm-hmm. They've got, um, and then a whole host of cars and planes and you know things like like that. And then right next door to that is uh, Mercedes Benz World. Ooh, so it's got all the Mercedes related stuff and they've got a track there as well that you can take cars out on and you know do like wet tracks and all that to teach you how to yeah. drive uh like that very very cool you'd, you'd really and really enjoy that and the other thing you'd like that i go to i've been to the last uh couple of years that they've been on is the festival of speed and the uh goodwood revival down, in, oh, down yeah. at goodwood and that's just endless endless cars <laughs> endless yeah. and anything car related absolutely fantastic planes too yeah so uh, you know let's bring that back to photography so the, the one of the reasons we went there actually was because i was talking with you know my my mum's um partner you know we're talking about cars and he's really into cars and everything and so you know we had a conversation about the car photography that, that we did over the last you know a couple mm-hmm. of years or something and so he suggested, well, you know, why don't we go there and you can take some pictures of cars there. And I went, that sounds great. It's a great idea, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and of course, I never travel without this little Fuji X100. Um, and I kind of thought, well, you know what? Actually, this is probably all I need, um, you know. And uh, rather than doing this with light painting that we normally do, I kind of thought, well, I wonder if I can get something that looks equally awesome with this, you know, 24 megapixel digital camera. And, and so I thought about um, a particular editing technique that I could utilize for that. And the photos uh, really, I think, came out really well. And uh, because I've obviously prepared that, I will send them over to you and you can, you can play them in. Um, but, and then I kind of thought, well, this is actually is a really interesting uh, editing technique that we can that we can talk about so, because I'm sure you know Ooh. some of the some of our listeners and viewers uh, will be interested in in how that works and it's totally different from what we normally do um, but it has some really interesting aspects to it and so the way it works is you essentially turn your image into a black and white image to start with. And, but not, you know, you can do that in a number of different ways. I mean, you could, you know, you could desaturate I know this it. technique on exactly what you're going to say. And it's so worth talking about. Right. It's such a cool way of doing it. So essentially, you know, for the viewers and the listeners, what you do is you, you turn your image into a black and white image. Um, and again, there are a number of different ways you could do it, but um, you don't use any of the standard methods. So, uh, yeah. you know, for instance, in Lightroom, and this will work in Lightroom, um, and in Photoshop, yeah, especially in the raw editor in, in Photoshop. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you could, in theory, just simply switch it to black and white, but you don't want to do that. Um, you could just simply fully desaturate it with a saturation slider. You also don't want to do that. What you actually want to do is go down into the the U and saturation slider bit. And you simply take all the sliders, all the reds, all the oranges, all the blues and aquas, the magentas and everything, um, and the greens and the blues and whatever, and you, you move all of them to to the left. So you basically desaturate your image and turn it to a black and white image that way. What you do next is you simply now treat that image as a black and white image um, to start with. So you edit the contrast, and you know you set um, you know you add you add some crispness to it. And you basically you know, hone in the the exposure and the whites and the blacks and, and everything else, you know, crisp it up, give it some punch, you know, until you get to the point where it really looks like a really good black and white image. That's the first thing you do. Once you've done that, you go back to the HSL or the, the unit situation slider mm-hmm. bit, and you basically bring each color back individually and you decide which one of those colors are really relevant for your image. So it might be, for example, that you have, you know, a blue sky in the background. So you bring some of the blue back, you might bring it back, you know, to only to a fraction of what it was originally. You might want to um, change the hue of it, or you might decide to leave it out completely and sort of, you know, desaturate the, the sky. Or you might have some, I don't know, foliage in the background. 
So you might, you know, you might bring the greens back, but or not. You know, it might be distracting. What it helps you to do is to basically filter out any kind of color distractions that take away from the main subject of the photo, which in this case is a car. So depending on what the main color scheme is in the car. So for example, um, I. Uh, so the, one image, for instance, is the Ford Mustang. The, the Mustang was uh, mainly black, but it also had like a, a yellow racing stripe. It's kind of yellow, orangey, you know, type of thing. So the main colors in this image were basically orange. Uh, but the, in the background, there was, uh, you know, there was a Ferrari, which was red. So by taking the reds out or by desaturating the reds quite dramatically, you'd really take away the distraction yeah. um, of the object in the background that was bright red, you know? And so if really what it does is it helps you to not only um, create like a really cool look, but it also, it just allows you to actually take out distractions, you know, by color only, because as we know, um, you know, if you color can, can very, very quickly um, draw your eye away from the main yeah. subject. And so it allows you to, to basically, um, address those those sort of things individually. Yeah. I, you know <clears throat> what I found in this particular scenario, where you don't really have any control over the background, you know, and you can't really move things around, and because mm. well, it's essentially a museum, basically, you know, it really um, it allows you to really hone the whole thing in. And uh, it was interesting. I got some really really awesome results that I that I like a lot um, in that way. Um, and then to finish the whole thing off you can basically go into um, into the, you know, the, the, what do you call it? In that room, the color correction panel. Um, and you, you know, the color, color grading panel. Even. And, and you then basically add a little bit of blue in the shadows if you want, or, you know, yeah. a little bit of, um, you know, some oranges in the highlights if that's what you want to do, or yeah. you add some greens or reds in the shadows, even depending on what the main subject is. Um, with the McLaren, for instance, it was an interesting thing because the on that particular photo, there's obviously the back of the car in the foreground, but then there's the McLaren logo in the background, uh, which has a lot of red in it because of that's how the logo is. Um, and some of that red also sort of reflected on the actual car. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there it really made sense to sort of push a little bit of the reds back into the shadows. Yeah. You know, um, and so forth. And so what you can do then is you can create a, an overall look that really ties all the images together. So, you know, not only are you able to, to really um, hone in each individual image and really make sure you draw the attention to the main subject, but you can, across a series of photos, you can also create a look across the yeah. whole thing. And, uh, you know, it's actually a really quick way of, of editing and of, of getting really cool results. It's not. It actually is. It is very, very quick, provided you're comfortable editing black and white to begin with, and you've got an idea of how to go about that, because that does really make a difference. Sure. Um, and the trick is not to overthink it too much. Yeah. But what I, do you know? What I love to, I particularly love about this technique is that once you're, you know, just for argument's sake, you might only bring up half of the um the various colors in saturation you might leave the other half down just give or take you know something like yep. that um so you kind of got a half color half black and white image but provided you've selected the right kind of colors your brain even though it's a, it just, your brain fills in color where it's not there true it yep. kind of it, when you look at it it does fill it in a little bit so it doesn't feel like it's half black and white, half color, and all these sections are still in black and white. It doesn't feel that way. It just yeah. feels moody. And it really, and it also allows you to actually turn an image that's, that otherwise is really sort of horribly lit. Because in those kind of places, you can remember you've got artificial lighting, you know, tungsten lighting, right. or whatever, seeing lights. And actually, in this particular space, there was a, a really a complete mix of natural light because there were big windows or big mm. window areas um, and like sort of a half a glass roof and whatever. Um, but there were also loads and loads of kind of tungsten lights. And so it was really like an ugly yellow, uh, orangey, greeny tone, you know, it's really not very, very pleasant at all. And with this method, it really allows you to really yeah. sort of filter that out almost without any difficulty at all. Um, and you can, you can bring some of that ambience back to a very low degree. If you, if you so desire just to, just to kind of 
you know, bind the, the main subject into the into the setting a little bit, but it really allows to to really get rid of all that nasty yellow yellow yellowliness of um, yeah. of those lights. Um, and as, assuming what your what your main subject is, it doesn't have too much orange or yellow in it. You can get rid of all of that anyway, and provided there's no foliage, and if you're indoors, hopefully the greens you, you you're going to drop those out anyway. You're all right. It's it's difficult um, with those kind of lightings. Just out of interest, how do you, or how did you on this occasion specifically? How did you go about setting your white balance for that scenario? Did you bother? It was super simple. Yeah, yeah, it was sort of white balance actually, because I knew it was going to change anyway. I was, you know, obviously I was shooting in raw, so yeah. I knew I could, um, I could fix that later. Um, that you know that would have been difficult because it, it was. Depending on where you went in the in the building, there's always a different mix of artificial light and daylight, and you know, um, even in terms of you know ISO settings, uh, you had to be relatively flexible. And some places were better mm-hmm. than others, you know. And yeah. of course, as is always is the case with cars, it really depends on the color of the car. You know, if you're trying to shoot a black car in a relatively dark spot, you have an exposure issue, you know. Um, and if you're trying to shoot something that's very highly reflective, for example. Um, then you have also have an exposure issue. You know, the, the one thing that in a situation like that, I mean, if you are, you know, thinking of taking photos at exhibitions uh, or in museums or something like that, the one thing to bear in mind is, and this is really something that's virtually impossible uh, to control, is the kind of, the sort of light spills, the, the reflections you get on mm-hmm. the paintwork on the car. Um, they can be really quite ugly, depending on what the surroundings are like. And I mean, you, you either spend a lot of time in Photoshop or you just suck it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. there are they're like little ugly, particularly ugly things you can get rid of uh, relatively easily and stuff. But, you know, for, for an image like that, I think, you know, you're going to have to call it good at some point. Um, yeah. You know, when, I mean, when you have control over the set and you have control of the lighting, then you can, you can control those reflections um, to a much greater extent. And that's, you know, you would do that with soft boxes and with the way you light things and, you know, um, scrims and all the rest of it. But yeah, in this particular case, it is what it is. Yeah, but, you know, it. I was really, I was actually really, really pleased with um, what I uh, managed to, to uh, come home with, you know, given that I literally just took a fixed lens, you know, Fuji X100F with no, no frills. I mean, you know. No zoom lens or anything. It's, it was it was really super simple, and I, I looked like a total tourist as well. It was brilliant. <laughs> you always look like a tourist. Yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it was it was fun, fun outing. <laughs> no, that's cool. That's very very cool. Yeah, I I, I I love that technique, and it's um you don't see it all that much, has to be said. Uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it was just something you know. I was wrecking my brain. I was kind of thinking, okay, how could I come up with something that you know, allows me to shoot something with minimal effort, basically. Um, because of course, like yeah, because you can't, you know, you obviously you can't, you know, you can't bring any lights. They would, you know, using a, using a speed, a speed light or something would have been absolutely frowned upon, obviously there. Yeah. I can't really do that. And, uh, and you know, there's other, there are other people milling around as well. It's not, you know, you don't have to place to yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And you also want to move through it. So, because there's, you know, there is so much to see. And so many really cool cars to shoot that you know you don't want to spend too much time so, on each thing. Yeah, um, and of course, what it what it does do is it forces you to think of perspective much more, you know, and um, mm-hmm. and composition and and so on. So when you know that you're not really going to have to worry too much about you know about colors and images and stuff like that. So yeah, it was good fun. Cool. Love it. Yeah. So if you're listening to this or if you're watching this um, and, you know, you have, you know, you have examples of a similar technique, you've tried that before, you know, let us know. Or in fact, you know, if you like to shoot cars and motorcycles and anything that moves really, then, you know, by all means, um, send us your images. You can do that, you know, on Instagram or uh, you can send it through on on Facebook or via email or whatever. Um, Then it'd be fantastic to see because... You know, when you're in a pinch, you can't really do anything else like me at the moment. <laughs> then, 
you know, you'll, you can find yourself something to keep yourself occupied. And, um, you know, that was a really good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What else have you, has been going on in your world? <laughs> Not very much, but I have been reading uh, th- some of the latest you know, photography news, actually. And the one thing that you love. <laughs> so apparently, <clears throat> apparently the Nikon Z9 is now the market leader in pro bodies with 57% of market share um, of, um, of pro mirrorless bodies over $5,000. Right. Okay. So there's like two of those. <laughs> Wait, which, <no>. is, <laughs> which is remarkable since that camera is actually never in stock. Right. So <laughs> how, how, yeah. How are these numbers calculated? Pre-orders, I guess. So this is basically for U.S. units sales. Um, so this is of pre-orders actual sales um, for full-frame mirrorless bodies, so over five thousand pounds in the first three months of twenty twenty-two. So that's okay. basically what that what it is. It's, you know, is this also? I mean, this is based on actually this is and this is the little caveat. This is based on a Nikon press release as well. Just saying that I'm not I'm not disputing that the numbers are not correct, but there might very well be, and I know. And we all know that the Z9 has been doing fantastically well Absolutely. For, for Nikon in terms of sales and pre-orders. You know, Nikon actually does say that um, they basically shipping these out the second they come in from the factory. So they're trying to push out as many as they possibly can. But for a variety of reasons, not least the current, you know, chip crisis and the lack of part availability and all that kind of stuff. Um, they are obviously having a problem, just like, to be fair, I mean, just like any other manufacturer as well, Canon are experiencing the same uh, difficulties, I'm sure all yeah. the others are too. Um, but, you know, nevertheless, in, in a sense, you know, great news for Nikon because, you know, they've been on the back foot for quite some time and absolutely, Nine seems to have turned their fortunes around. Well, no, this is, it's great. And, you know, uh, I, wonder, I wonder if they're existing Nikon users, which are upgrading. Or whether that's people coming back, I'd love, I'd love, I'd love to know. I don't so, think that's tricky to know. But. So we've had a few Z9 uh, users that have left comments um, on some of our previous mm. um, YouTube videos uh, before, and you know, it's really interesting. Again, yeah, it'd be super awesome. I mean, if you have you know some hands-on experience with the Z9, you know, let us know. Uh, put something in the comments. Um, always curious, absolutely. Um, I, as I said, I haven't actually managed to get my paws onto one of those, <clears> but I'm sure it won't be long. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I hope um, Nikon's quality, if they're getting them out the door like, immediately, I hope their quality control is better than Canon's. Um, what's, been happening? Have, <laughs> what's been happening with your Canon's? I have quality issues on my Canon. Oh, okay. So it's currently, it's sat right next to me in a minute. I've got a box ready to uh, package it up. It's right here. I can even show you the problem I've got. Right. So I got, I got this when it was released, um, maybe within, you know, just the first month or you know, something like that, whatever it was anyway. And ever since then, little reports come out of the earlier ones and apparently kind of later batches were better, but still not hundred percent where the, so those of you who are not, um, looking at the video right now. So I've, this is the Canon C70 and it has a flip screen, which is great. Still works great. Still works fine. But, and I don't know if this is going to show on here properly, but it is, can you see uh, that? Yeah, it's got some GIF in it. It's got a lot of GIF in it. And there's a nasty noise when it gets to a certain point. I don't know if you'll hear that. Maybe not. And if, when you flip it over... Again, you may not see it, but can you see how lopsided that is? Oh, yeah. That's a cool shot. Look at the reflection in the lens. Hey, it's two of me. So I have read a lot of people who have had it fixed for free, as Mm -hmm. rightly so, by Canon, and the fix is fantastic. It's taken anywhere between a week and two weeks to get it done, which I think is reasonable actually mm-hmm. i don't think that's too bad um considering and so 
I know I haven't got much on for the next couple of weeks um, that I'm going to need this for. So I thought, right, if I'm going to do it, now is the time to go and do it. Because I'm on holiday for like several days of this. So, right, fine. Let's get it away. And so I'm going to send that off tomorrow, I hope. Well, actually, I've got to arrange the collection. So next couple of days anyway. And uh, hopefully that fix will be all sorted. That's great. Um, I've had more issues this week as well. More and so obviously I'll keep, you, I'll keep you posted as to um, how that fix goes and how that progresses. Um, so uh, this is what happens when, you know, you're, so the worst time for this to happen, I should say, is when you're on a job. And so <laughs> I was on a job the other day doing an additional day, sort of just um, some exterior shots and um, some walkthrough style shots and things like that. And I get to the first place because there's multiple locations, get to the first location and set up the Ronin RS2. I think that's what it's called, whichever one that is. And get it all balanced, all fine, all good. Turn it on, nothing. Motors don't start at yeah. all. Turn it off, turn it back up, you know, unplug, take the, the grip off, which has the battery and back in all that. Start it back on, nothing connected via the app to check what's going on, try and do a balance test, all that kind of see if I can force it into doing something, reset settings and all of that, try to update the firmware, that wouldn't happen, couldn't do it. Read online quickly that um, if you power it off, take the battery out and do it, do it something like that like 10 times, A got it to work, wasn't having it. Yeah. Was not having it. So it, by this point, like 25 minutes had passed and this was a tight scheduled day as it was and I had to just you know what, I've got to cut my losses. I just need to go and do it handheld, and that's that. Yeah. And I'll just have to do my best at doing it handheld. And so that's what I did, and that's what I did for the rest of the day. Worked out fine. Um, I've got and finally got around to turning it back on today. Works was, no that the, was that with the C70 or the R6? That was with the C70. Okay. It wasn't a weight fit. It's more than capable of handling that weight. And I did it with this, tried it again today with the C70 Onyx. You, have, you need to turn them on balanced. Otherwise it goes all over the place. Fine. Absolutely no problems. Mm. Updated the firmware at that point as well, while I could, just to make sure there wasn't a weird little bug in the last one. And that updated fine and no problems. How so was bizarre. It, was there any explanation for that? Or? Nope. I need to, I can do, I haven't done, I haven't done any more research since, but I will and see if I can find out um, what's, what's going on. I mean, again, this is something we could ask our listeners, you know, if you are, um, if you are currently using the Ronin S2, is it? RS2? RS2. It's the one with the little red stripe around it, you know, let's carbon fibre thing. Let's uh, just cool. RS, I think it's the RS2. That's what I want to go with. Get a quick look. I was sure you're going to have it by that point. Yeah, that does. Is it the RST? It is the RST, right? Yeah. I mean, it looks. Yeah, it looks like it looks like it's difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will be. I'm pretty confident it's the RST. All right, cool. Let's let's go with that. So, if you are using the uh, DJI RS uh, Ronin RS two, then and you're experiencing or you have experienced similar problems, you get in touch. Um, is that something that happens repeatedly? Did you find a fix, or was it one off? Um, or have you used that that gimbal for a while and you've never experienced any problems with it? Which would then basically mean it's you know that's just your gimbal. <laughs> Brilliant. Sorry. Brilliant. Um, yeah, CRST. Uh, um, yeah, so that was difficult. Um, that was quite a, cause it was quite a frustrating situation to be in. And, you know, it's you've got to think on your feet and just go with what's going to work. You've got to make, make the best of it, right? And um, so I, I went ahead and I, I turned on the um, – this doesn't have full-on – um, stabilization in the body, mm -hmm. but it does have digital stabilization built in 
in okay. as well. So I went ahead and turned that on and decided to use that along with the stabilization that would be on the lens at the okay. same time. Um, and just did my best. And thankfully, um, most of it was shot in 120. Uh, so kind of got away with it. Hmm. Thankfully. So that's, you know, what's, what's the tip for, you know, for getting super smooth, super smooth, um, you know, imagery on that without so, a gimbal? Well, it's a couple of things that you can do. Um, one, and this goes for anything that you're doing really anyway, is you want to make sure you've got two hands on the camera almost without exception. If you've got one hand, trust me, you're not, you're not getting steady footage at all. You want to make sure you have two hands, solid grip, ideally on the side and underneath as well. Mm. And the crucial things that now it depends on how you're viewing, where your screen is. It can make it tricky depending on what flip screen you've got and whether you can only turn it that way and up a little bit. So, mm. but what you want to, you want to have as close to your body as you can and you want your elbows in against your body. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you want to grip it tight, but not too tight. Cause that can do give you, it, it can make it just as bad if you're, you're gripping it too tight. Cause you start, mm -hmm. you almost, you shake, you start shaking just from holding something so tightly. All right, okay. So you want to be still be laxed, you know, solid. And you want to move as slowly as you can. Even if, you, if you're moving quickly, if you would, if ordinarily you'd go like that, don't do that. Just move your whole body with it. That's tip one. Second tip is if you if you need to walk, well, if you're if you're standing still doing a movement, fine. Just keep your you know legs legs apart, solid grip on the floor. Don't be on tiptoes or on one foot or just casually standing. Stand there. Like, the best way to describe it is stand there like you mean it. <laughs> yeah, like you're meant to be at that spot. Um, so then second tip would be if you're doing any kind of movement shot, you need to, um, who described it like that? I can't remember who described it in a very cool way. Very funny. Um, I'll remember in a minute. It was one of our guests, but you want to walk like you're floating. Okay. You look ridiculous, but it's all right. No one cares. You're the one filming. You're the one getting a cracking shot. <laughs> That's it. So you want your knees bent. Okay. Don't walk normally. Knees bent. I, I generally go with being on my tiptoes um, if I can, but that's not always possible because that can still give you a little judder. So the alternative is, and you want to try this out and practice, is you want to go um, uh, heel to toe with your knees bent, like in a rocking motion mm. if you can. So it's a very smooth. You're never going to get it just solidly straightforward. Don't expect that, but just expect it to be smooth in and out if it's going to be, mm. and that's fine. It's going to look good. It will be clear that it's not on a gimbal because it's not on a gimbal. You're not mm. going to get a gimbal shot handheld. It's not going to happen. Um, if you're filming in 120 and you're, you know you're going to play it back at 120 mm. and you're doing any kind of movement, then you know you're only going to be using at most a couple of seconds worth of that footage. Yeah. So it's all it's all it's, it's still just as important to be, you know, on your feet properly, moving properly, you know, arms in, because even just using that fraction of a second of what it would have been, if you film for two seconds, or let's say you film for five seconds, right? Do you know how much footage that is when it's at 120? For sure, yeah. My God, it goes on forever. But if you can manage to do that for five seconds, you're going to have a whole load to, to choose from, uh, depending on what you're shooting and what the mm. shot actually is, right? So there are a couple of the main tips I would give. So basically, if you're shooting handheld, and you're trying to get to always shoot either at 120 or above. Or see, I mean, even 60 frames per second, actually, does already give you a markedly improved result with that. Yeah. And just by saying 60, it's assuming you're not, your final project isn't going to be in 60 for some reason. So that's then having yeah. it slowed down to 25 or 24, depending on where you are. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. There you go. There you go. You've heard it all. And then You've if you do all. that in combination with a little bit of software stabilization, 
you're winning. Cool. Well, there was a, <clears throat> there was oh, one more, there is one more tip I can give actually. It will help. Um, is if depending again, depending on the camera you're using, it's not, it's not really practical to have a strap around the C70, but if you're using a, a regular, uh, mirrorless camera, camera, that's you doing video on stick a strap around it, keep it short so that it hangs down again around, you know, upper chest height mm -hmm. and then keep it again, two hands on elbows in tight, but pull on the strap on your neck as well. And that okay, will give yeah. you even more kind of, it gives you a third point of um, sort of contact with the, uh, uh, with the camera. So it's that it'll be that little bit extra stable uh, yeah. as well. There you go. There you go. Stabilization tips. How do you first? Fun times. <laughs> cool. I mean, it was, there was, um, there was another uh, kind of property shoot. Um, I don't know, but how did you, how did you uh, get along with the, with the traffic situation? It didn't. It was awful. Yeah. It was actually awful to the point where, um, in a, a couple of those, a couple of the locations, there were four locations in total. Two of the locations were in, on such busy streets that um, there were vans just constantly on the street. And it's not just vans driving past. They are parked in front of the building. Now, ordinarily, you go, okay, fine. I can wait them out. If the driver's there, I can ask them to move. All of that good stuff. They're all usually very accommodating. Not always, but often. Um, I was in the very, very fortunate position that they were driverless. No one around that would be in those cut vans either that could be own them. And they never came back. Oh, no. And I had to, I waited as long as I could before I knew I just had to move on hmm. and they never came back. So in the meantime, I got what I could without getting those in there. Cause you yeah. may as well don't, don't say, Oh, I really want that shot. That's fine. You might not get it. Go and do something else while you're waiting. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a particularly tricky location. And, you know, I've shot, the same thing a few weeks ago. Um, and I had to, I mean, really had to come back three times in total actually to eventually, uh, yeah. you know, sort of get the shots um, that I wanted because it is the way this, the way the layout is, there's basically a lay by, if you want, right in front of the building. And unfortunately anybody and their dog starts stopping right in front of the building. And um, it, you know, I remember the last time I went to get some of the final shots, it was a constant, oh, could you please move on. Over? Yeah. <laughs> Just, well, and the other one's just behind Oxford Street, so that's just super busy all the time. And I can deal with the traffic. I can find a space to get get to miss the traffic and get the shot. But yeah. if there's something just blocking your view, the main view of the build, that the, there's only so much you can do. There's yeah. only so much you can do. Yeah, I actually did a reshoot of one of those buildings. Um, I did the main exterior shot in, I want to say. Uh, late February, early March, something like that. And when I, you know, I came back with the images, um, and it, there's some trees in front of the building, and it just, you know, it looked pretty dead. Having some dead trees in front of it, mm. so I sort of decided, you know, what well, for this particular one, I'm, I'm just going to have to come back when there's some foliage on there, you know. And that's that's what then yeah. really really paid off. It looks so much <laughs> so much better. And to top it off, at this one one like at the first location I was at, which was having problems with vans. You know, you'd think, okay, maybe we can even just go a lot further back and get a, just a very wide shot because it's a lovely area that it's in. It's really, not everything looks good. And there was a fair on in because it's, it's in a, like a big square and there's a big sort of um, like small but park in the middle of it all, right? And the roads go around it. And this whole thing was filled with a fair. Uh, so you couldn't even get that. Yeah. <laughs> Madness, madness. There's, uh, in fact, there was one of the one of the buildings. I remember, um, I was there to shoot the exterior, and it was it was a Thursday, and Thursday apparently is you know what they call rubbish day um, mm. in the UK. So basically, they had you know tons of trash bags outside the building, and I thought, well, a, I'm not going to move these trash bags because there's quite a lot of them, and b, I don't really want to come back. To reshoot this because everything was perfect on that day you know the weather was perfect the light was great you know so i thought well you know i can apply all of my creative photoshop skills and uh you know get rid of them afterwards and actually that was all right yeah 
I think I got yeah. fairly decent results. Uh, it took it took a long time. I mean, it took probably an hour or something of cloning things out. Um, in the end, and yeah, it's a pain in the pain in the neck. That's it. Got to do what you got to do. Yeah. So yeah, interesting thing. Cool. What else? What else been happening this week? Uh, that's that's kind of it from a video photo world from me. Um, last few last last week or so. Oh, there's another fun story I came across. So apparently, <laughs> get this: uh, McDonald's and Wendy's have been sued um, over the size of their burgers in their advertising imagery. Amazing, because apparently their burgers are depicted fifteen percent larger in their you know advertising photography than they are in real life. Who has worked that out? Exactly. Um, that goes back. I think Burger King had to to deal with a similar, um, with a similar you know court case before. But uh, yeah, so that was that was something that made me chuckle. I've always thought that these bloody burgers are smaller than they are on the photo. Oh, it's a falling down moment, right? Coming up, isn't it? So yeah, so they're being sued in New York. So McDonald's and Wendy's are being sued by a New York man who claims that advertisements for the burgers look much bigger than they actually are. And it's a proposed class action lawsuit. All right. Yeah. It's um, a dude called Justin Cumenti. Um, and like many other people, he was disappointed after buying a Big Mac from McDonald's um, and the bourbon bacon, the bourbon bacon cheeseburger he bought from Wendy's. I'm liking the sound of that. Yeah, me too. Bourbon, bourbon bacon cheeseburger. Aren't they opening Wendy's in the UK? I'm pretty sure they are Wendy's, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Oh, there, are, there, are, there are a couple, are there? Yeah. There used to be, um, there used to be at least two, I remember, in, um, in central London. Well, one was just outside of King's Cross, tube station. Okay. Um, that at some point disappeared. But I'm pretty sure they're back somewhere. They're not, not, as, oh. um, not as common over here as they are in the US. No, no. Total side note, irrelevant side note. There's a Five Guys opening up around the corner from me. What? Yeah. <laughs> Guess what we're eating from now on when we podcast at mine. Uh, well, <laughs> that's yeah. That'll be my weekly treat. Absolutely, it has to be before before eight o'clock though, because otherwise, you know, keto and stuff. Oh, for f- <laughs> let's end it here. Yeah, Only we're kidding. done. <laughs> Only kidding. Um, yeah, but I mean, you know, this dude came out to get this. He filed a lawsuit for fifty million dollars. One billion dollars. So $50 million is deadly. It's the same amount, the same insane amount of money that uh, Johnny Depp is suing Amber Heard over. Brilliant. If you are following this, this whole shabak. Not anymore. Um, well, you know, whilst I'm here in Germany. Nothing to do. <laughs> yeah, not much to do. And uh, mainly, you know. So, yeah. Are you... Um, are you an, an Amber fan or are you, are you in the Amber camp or are you Justin, uh, Justin, justice for Johnny? Even. Oh, Johnny Depp all over. Yeah. Yeah. Does anyone like Amber Heard? I don't think so. You know, I, I thought this the other day. It's really, it's difficult because no matter where you look on social media or anywhere, it's, it's firmly in, you know, in support of Johnny Depp. Yeah. And it seems to me there must be somebody somewhere who supports Amber Heard. Although, no. you know, having, you know, having watched a substantial part of the whole trial debacle, I, I have to say she's not very likable, you know, mm. from yep. a personal perspective. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, pr- there's probably a little bit of truth on both sides, let's say, or, or, you know, there's probably a little bit of something the other way too, for sure. Uh, yeah. Not 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 denying that, but I think she's the cool. Yeah, oh, I can't I can't talk celebrity gossip. Doesn't 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 sit right with me. I don't care enough. Yeah, <laughs> it's one of these it's one of these things where you know typically when you hear about like a domestic violence type of um, yeah case or scenario you're sort of automatically 
primed to think it's the guy's fault or the yeah. guy is the perpetrator basically you know and uh, and the woman is the the victim yeah. and you know although you're right i mean absolutely i think it's become really quite clear that it is it's a little bit happening on on both sides in this particular case but no doubt you know there's evidence that uh, that she that she definitely you know wasn't innocent and all yeah thing. oh yeah yeah. <clears throat> and you can kind of see it when just by listening to Johnny Depp when he, you know, when he's in the when he's on the stand and he's testifying, he's so slow and you know, it takes so much time to get his sentences out and everything. Um it's easy to see how he would be on the no, oh, it's easy to see how Amber Heard would be on the upper hand, you know, when they're arguing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I mean, I don't think he would get two words in that edgeways. Yeah. 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 Her, so yeah. Are we saying he wasn't actually acting in Pirates of the Caribbean, but that is just him? <laughs> uh, you know what they say. There's always a lot of themselves in yeah, the yeah. role they play. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's interesting. I mean, by the time this comes out, the whole the whole uh, court case might be over. Actually, I'm not sure. I don't mm. actually know how Could long be. this. How long no, this I don't. Going for. No idea, but. You know, it's interesting to to actually to watch the whole uh, th- you know the whole proceedings and to realize what it's like in real life as opposed mm. to the you know, the movie and the TV versions we see of those. Yeah, yeah. Of those kind yeah. of goings on. Um, yeah, it's not, but it's by far not as interesting and thrilling as most courtroom dramas will have you believe. That's quite right. <laughs> quite right. It's like uh, I'm pretty glad I didn't I didn't go for a career in in law. Because nah. that would have been extremely boring. Be boring. Yeah. You're very boring. <laughs> so yeah. Anyway, and on that bombshell. <laughs> what a bombshell. <laughs> what a bombshell. Um, we have come to the end of episode 107 of the Camera Strike Podcast. Um, you know, hopefully we're back in our usual surroundings by next week, but who knows? You know, there might be might be a repeat of this sort of scenario. But um, yeah, if you are listening to the audio version of this podcast, you'll be reminded that you can not only listen to our sultry voices, but see our lovely, beautiful faces in full Technicolor over on YouTube. And whilst you're there, make sure you hit the bell, subscribe to the channel, because that would really help us out. And uh, you know, do all that good stuff. Uh, leave a comment and let us know you're listening or watching. Because you know, Indeed. YouTube, uh, YouTube, you know, podcast listeners are listeners. They don't read us. Just, just to put that out there. Oh, no matter upset with you. no matter what they say they don't read anything they listen hence they are listeners dun 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 controversial I know controversy right here on the Camera Shake Podcast <laughs> yeah so, Peter and Dave just saying anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway with that you know that being said we'll be back next Thursday see okay. you then see you later um. <laughs>